The reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. An elder must be blameless, the husband of but one wife, a man whose children believe and are not open to the charge of being wild and disobedient. Since an overseer is entrusted with God's work, he must be blameless, not overbearing, not quick-tempered, not given to drunkenness, not violent and not pursuing dishonest gain. Rather, he must be hospitable, one who loves what is good, who is self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. He must hold firmly to the trustworthy message as it has been taught, so that he can encourage others by sound doctrine and refute those who oppose it. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. I've only got one announcement before we um, talk through this passage and that is uh, there are a number of baptisms here next week in this service. Um, I think it's uh, 9 or 10. Um, So most of the service is is having an opportunity to focus on these people who are stepping forward in obedience um, to um, acknowledge that they have... um, serve Christ and to identify with him in baptism. So just two things. Number one, if you yourself are a believer and are interested in uh, stepping forward in terms of being obedient in baptism and you haven't yet and would like to, feel free to see me at the end of the service and uh, next week would be a good, a good week to do that. Um, we can have a, a conversation during the week if you're not yet baptised. The second thing is, next week when you come, because the service is probably going to go a tad longer than normal, not much longer, will be very good. Um, if, if you're free, then if you wanted to bring sort of uh, a few um, bits and pieces to eat, we could share a meal, sort of a very light meal after the service as well. That would prevent everyone from just rushing off. It might be good. So if you're free, please feel free to do that and we can celebrate together um, at the end of next week's service, which would be fantastic. Okay. Janola, uh, can I have that... Um, oh, microphone. Just, just, just for kids. You have to do things for kids. I wanted to explain to those of you who are younger or who think you're a kid. I'm not technologically. What I want to discuss for those who are younger exactly what we're doing today when I'm talking to your parents or to the adults. You know how everybody sort of has to have a job description? I don't know if you've ever seen Mary Poppins. You know how the kids decide what qualities they want to have in Mary Poppins, in a nanny? Which are totally different from the qualities that their father thinks are appropriate. So what I thought I would do is ask a few parents what qualities they think children should have. I'm doing parents first because then we're going to ask those who are younger to think what qualities they think their dads and mums ought to have. All right. So let's start with parents. Any parents here who want to say what qualities they think kids should have? <laughs> this is even for older kids, obviously. Obey day parents. Do you get that? Yeah. Any other parents besides the obedience? We've got that one now. Any other qualities? 
Oh, wait a second, Peter, I'm coming around there. Just one. Respect your parents and respect adults. Not just parents. Adults as well. You've got to respect them both. That's what good kids do. Any other qualities for kids? Oh. Be patient with your parents. (laughs) Absolutely. Especially some parents. Peter, pass that along if you want to. Honesty. Be honest. Good good qualities to have in children, aren't they? Or young people, or even you know, twenty-year-olds who are your children. In a second, any other parents who want to have a range of people? Another parent. Be forgiving. Ah. Be forgiving. Everyone gets one go here. No other parents? All right. We're just going to have only one turn each, Peter. Otherwise, we'll be here for. Parents have a lot of things to say. Tolerant of their siblings. I think there's a bit of preaching going on here as well. What last parent? Here's the last parent. Now we get into the kids after this. Love and respect. Kids are supposed to love and respect. Okay, now it's time for kids. What qualities do you think parents should have? Humble enough to accept rebuke. (laughs) That's a good point. No idea where that comes from. Any other, any other? Oh, here we go. Be responsible for your children. <laughs> Be responsible. Do you have anything to say? No? Any other kids? <laughs> Here's a bit of payback, Louisa. I'm kidding. Uh, parents who do not belittle their children. That's, that's another good quality for parents. Accept rebuke. Instill in your kids a sense of responsibility. Yeah, take responsibility for your kids and instill responsibility in them. Don't belittle them. Any any other young any other children who have got parents, which is more source, have qualities for parents. I'm not a child, but even though parents should be a role model for the children. Parents should be good role models. One more, one more. Here we go. You're lucky. Don't be hypocritical. <laughs> Don't be hypocritical. So, kids, that's what we're doing. We're going to talk today about qualifications or qualities that should be a part of someone's life. We've just talked about what parents should be like and what kids should be like, but we do that everywhere. What nannies should be like, what doctors should be like, what physiotherapists should be like, what mechanics should be like, what cooks should be like, they should never use anchovies. You know, there's a whole lot of qualities that you want to throw in there. And in the church, we have people who are in different positions as well. And what we're talking about today is the position of an elder or a pastor and saying from the Bible what sort of 
qualities, what sort of qualifications should that person have? And you might say, well, if I'm going to be a parent, that's useful. And if I'm going to be a child, which I am, that's useful. Why elders and why for all of us? One of the reasons is because we all have to work with elders if we're a part of a church body. They're supposed to, what we talked about last week, they're supposed to protect us, they're supposed to feed us in terms of the scriptures, they're supposed to lead us, they're supposed to care for us. And so we want to understand that. But also, particularly for many of us, this is a Baptist church. And one of the responsibilities of those people who are members in the church is to actually elect the leaders. And therefore to elect someone, to choose someone to be a leader, you really need to know the sort of list, the qualifications that you're going to align such a person against to say whether you say, yes, I think that person is going to be an appropriate leader for the church or not. And whether you're a member here or not, you still have that opportunity to participate in the conversation and say this person is going to be appropriate as a leader or not. But also everyone here has an opportunity to serve in the church and maybe say, maybe I'm the person who should step up and lead. Maybe I meet the qualifications and it's part of my responsibility under God to begin to serve in the church. And then thirdly, as we talked about last week, all of us are supposed to be aiming at being like Jesus and aim to be mature in our faith And the sort of qualifications that it talks about as an elder are the things that all of us should aspire to. So if if we don't match up with all of these, there should be a part of us that says, this is what we want to be like. So we all have something that we can have a look at and think about here. So I'm just going to go through the passage that we read in Titus and also cover bits and pieces from the passage in 1 Timothy where Paul does a similar thing And he says to Timothy, this is what an elder must be like. And I'm going to, we've read that, we read it last week. So now I'm just going to talk through the various qualifications. The Bible actually gives us three reasons, again, not just the logical ones I think I've just done, three reasons why it's important that we have qualifications. We read in the passage in Timothy that the person is going to be over the household of God. And the word that's used there is like the word to be a So the Bible says because an elder has responsibility as a steward in God's house, they have to be a certain type of character. They have to have a high moral character and they have to understand the scriptures and be able to handle it well. The elder or the pastor is not God to people, doesn't represent God to people, but is a servant of God in the household of God and is an example to people and therefore has to have a certain character, has to have certain qualities. And that's in fact what Peter says. He says that the elder has to be a living example for the people. You know, we heard that parents should not be hypocritical. Why should parents not be hypocritical? Because it's really, really hard for somebody who's a parent to say to their children, always, no, sorry, never run across the road And then when the child sees the parent running across the road, they get a confused message. They say, so you told me I wasn't allowed to run across the road. And there's this confusion there. They don't know quite what they're supposed to do. And it goes to a whole range of areas and things where when we've got this mixed message, 
what we should do and what is done in front of us and they don't match up, it's very hard to say that we're being led appropriately. And the Bible says that elders, pastors, are supposed to be good examples. Peter says, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder, be shepherds of God's flock that's under your care, being examples to the flock. So the person who issues has to have certain qualifications so they can be a good example. And in fact, all of us should be aiming to be the sort of people who can be an example to others because discipleship is to say, come and follow Jesus. You you can do the sorts of things I do as well. It's a good model for that. And the third reason that the, the scriptures give for these qualifications is that it protects the church. It makes certain that those people who are qualified, competent, if you like, seems a harsh word, competent, to lead, they've got a a background that says they can do it, they've got a lifestyle that says that they're fit to do it, they're morally okay, they're not morally unfit, but they've actually got a track record. It, It makes certain that if you choose those people, that the church is protected from having people lead it who are hypocrites, from having people lead it who are morally impure, from having people lead it who tell lies, from having people who do it just for ambition or power. And therefore it says, have these qualities and choose your leaders wisely or appoint your leaders wisely. That's the first point. You'll be very happy now. I only have one more point. Unfortunately, it has nine sub-points. Um, and the first sub-point is this. We're just going to go through the various qualifications fairly quickly. Think about these. Think about the people around you. Think about yourself. Think about how you might be like this. Paul says that an elder must be above reproach. Now, the youth ministry leaders have all got together recently and we've done a covenant. Say, this is what a youth ministry leader has to be like. Youth ministry are those in infusion and figs who lead. And one of the things in there was that we, as leaders there, are to be above reproach. Well, elders are supposed to be the same, above reproach. And the way I explained it to um, the youth ministry leaders as we were talking about this, and I'll explain it to you, is um, like this. I don't know if you've ever had a very close look at me, but one of my ears is lower down than the other one. Just play about that much. Nobody ever picks it up except my hairdresser. And they go, ooh, <laughs> did you know you've got ears here? But nobody ever notices because it's only like this. But I tell you what, if I had an ear sticking out of my chin here and an ear on the top of my head, everyone would see it. And not only that, they would identify me by the guy with the weird ears. At the moment they say, you know the pastor with the long hair? Now they'll see, you know, the guy with the funny ears, that's the one I'm talking about. Being above reproach is not having any of those handles that people can grab hold of about us, which are detracting, which pull us down. They're the sorts of things that, I mean, let's face it, we're all imperfect. We're all sinful people. And when it says to be above reproach, it doesn't mean that you have to be perfect or that you no longer sin, but what it means is you don't have these qualities that are out there that define you for other people. So, for example, you know that guy that's always grumpy? 
You know, whenever he comes, he's always just got a sour... He's been sucking lemons, you can tell that guy. And you point him out and everyone says, yeah, I know the guy you're talking about. Well, you know that girl that's always late? Her. As the definition of the person. It's, it's a quality that pulls them down. That means that's what above reproach means. There's nothing like that. There might be things that lift you up. That's okay. You know the guy that's always happy? You know the gentle person who always brings a smile to your face? Those things... And no one's talking about, but they're saying there's nothing to pull you down. That's the first thing. Elders must be above reproach. Now, a little rider here, because I was told this after the first service. In Chinese understanding, if someone's got one ear lower than the other, it means the wife is walking around holding them by the ear. That is not true. I was born this way. I just wanted to explain it's not a marital difficulty or anything. Some of the Lovely Chinese ladies in the first service explained to me that I shouldn't be so rude to my wife that way. But it's got nothing to do with her. Secondly, second qualification. The elder must be faithful in relationships. It says that the person is to be a husband of but one wife. The meaning there is it's a one-woman man. Now, it's not just talking about the person has to be married, they have to have only one wife. like her. It's talking about this that they're faithful in their covenants. They're, so you, there are single leaders in the, in the New Testament church. They didn't have to rush out and grab themselves a woman. They, but it's in their relationships, they're faithful. The person who's going to be an elder has to be pure in thought and deed. And in particular, this is talking about in that sexual area, which is one of the areas that the human race, it seems, constantly has problems with it, and particularly people in leadership. And if you look at the Christian church, it's amazing how many people fall in this area. When I used to train pastors, <laughs> I used to take them aside and I said, look, have a piece of paper. On one side, write on it all the benefits that you might get from being unfaithful to your, your vows of purity, to your wife or your singleness or whatever. Write down all the things that you're going to benefit from if you're unfaithful. And then on the other hand, write all the things that you're going to lose because you're like this. And basically, the list was about this much benefit, and it was all very, very short term, and an enormous loss in reputation, character, relationships, all sorts of ways when you are an unfaithful person. And they would all look at that, and I'd say, fold it up, put it in the back pocket. Keep it in your wallet, because it is always a temptation people and particularly once you get into ministry or you get into leadership it is often there and so Paul is really careful saying that the person to be a leader has to be faithful in their relationships pure in body and in mind they must be accountable and be kept accountable and that's true for all of us thirdly the elder must be self-controlled not given to their passions now <laughs> We're all passionate people. Well, not all of us, but some of us are passionate people. We're not talking about that. We're allowed to have passions. We're allowed to be committed to things and love things. But we're not allowed to let our passions rule us. We're to have control over and exert control over our desires and our lusts. The elder is supposed to maintain control of their thoughts. They're supposed to be in control of their body and their emotions. They're not to get drunk on wine. They're not to get drunk on power. They're not to get drunk on lust. 
They're not to lose control with just wanting and wanting things in terms of possessions or they're not to be over-concerned and, and get, if like, on the, what their reputation is or what their appearance are. They're to keep those things under control. I, I used this example in the morning service. We had a party last night for my sister-in-law. And it was a beautiful party, but I didn't know, well, you guys know, you know roast pork? You know the Chinese roast pork? And I, I quite enjoy it. And this lady brought some. Not just a little tiny slice, because there was about 18 people at the party. She brought a lot. And it was put in front of me, and there was just all cut up. It was just ready to eat. It was just crispy on the top. and It was beautiful. I love that stuff. Well, this basically says we're being controlled. I was. I only had 10 pieces. <laughs> which for me is control. Right? But that's, that's what we're supposed to do. We're not to give in to the passions. We're to be constantly in control of them. And that's the person who's to be an elder. Next. An elder is to be hospitable. And elders are people who welcome other people into their homes. They express God's love practically. They express God's love tangibly to others. And in fact, the meaning of the word hospitable here is this is someone who welcomes strangers, who welcomes visitors, not just your family and your friends who you like having around, but you embrace people and you love sharing with them and meeting their needs and having fellowship with them. That's the sort of role that it says an elder must be. Notice with all of these, it's must be. These are qualifications. Next. An elder must be able to teach a skill that they must be able to do. And um, teaching is fundamental to the church, and particularly in terms of leadership, to feed the flock and to help to move it along. I think one of the things that is confusing here is that sometimes we, we misunderstand teaching and we think it's always you've got to stand up here. But there is passages, um, even in Ephesians chapter 5 and in Colossians chapter 3 they talk about the fact that as we sing together in worship we are being taught and we learn through the, sing, the songs that we sing. So it's, it's teaching in a whole range of ways but people have to be able to communicate whether it's like this, whether it's in small groups, whether it's one-on-one. -on -one. It's saying that the person who's an elder has to be able to communicate God's truth with somebody else and to help to lead them, to help to disciple them. They have to be known to be able to do that, to share what God is saying, what God is doing, what God wants with someone else. They have to be able to do it in such a way that it's clear and there's fruitfulness out of it. And that other person is encouraged and is equipped more to serve God. And, you know, therefore we don't need to have someone who's always up front or is always up at the front. But if you know someone or you yourself are someone who can come alongside someone and grow them in the Lord and Scripture. That, that's what it's talking about. That's the sort of people we need for elders. Next, an elder must be sober in body, mind and spirit. This kind of goes very well with the one that was talking about self-control. The person is self-control. But this is more the fruit of that self-control. It's saying that not only can the person hold it in, but it should be evidence there should be nothing out there which shows an overindulgence in their life. 
they should be showing that discipline. They should not be getting, um, not just drunk, but they shouldn't be given to violence. They shouldn't let anger control their life. They shouldn't get violent with people physically or emotionally. They're not supposed to be people who are always out for an argumentative fight. They're not to be contentious people. But rather they're the sort of people who, because of their self-control and because they're guided by God's word, are gentle, they're respectful, they're patient. That's the sort of person that you want. Someone who is calm in life. Whatever is thrown at them, yes, they deal with it with strength because they protect. They deal with it with integrity because they teach the truth. But they're not getting flustered and angry and fighting. They're calm. They're sober. They're gentle. Next, the elder must be focused on Christ. It says the person's not supposed to be a lover of money. In other words, the person who's going to be an elder, one of the qualifications is that their minds are set not on things, not on money, but on Jesus. These are people who don't let their ambition, their popularity, their power or their wealth rule what they do. Instead, of they allow Christ's word to rule what they do. And you can see this is stuff we should all be like. But the last one explains why all of these things go out. And that is that the elder, the second last one, the elder must have a good reputation. In other words, if you like, they must have a track record of, of putting these things into practice in their life. And, and the Bible talks about it in two areas. It says the person has to have a track record at home, in their family. You should be able to see their management skills. This is the second skill. First one's teaching, second one's management, if you like. They have to have a track record at home. You, have, you can look at their children and see the evidence of their walk with God in their Christian life in their kids, in their relationship with their spouse. You should be able to see there something which tells you how good a manager they are. Now people have big discussions on what it means in terms of the child must be a believer and all those sorts of issues. And the pastoral team of this church has had some discussions on that this year. And we still don't agree with each other on exactly what it means. But we do agree with this. That it's very clear that what Paul is talking about, what the scriptures teach is that the person who is to be an elder has to have managed their home in such a way that it's visible. It's obvious to people that they know what they're doing. You wouldn't hire someone whose last 10... You wouldn't go to someone as a doctor whose last 10 or 15 patients at all. Would you? You kind of think, "Mm, no, I don't think so. I'll go to someone else. That just makes sense. But then you not only look at their home, but you look at their workplace, their community, their, their attributes in the community. And you say, okay, how are they seen by the people around them? Are they well respected? Have they got a track record in their dealings with people that they're elevated in the sense that people respect them, people listen to you, people will follow them? If they're not, if they're reviled by their community or by their workplace, if they haven't shown good management in their job, then why would they be put over the church? That doesn't make any sense. And then the last of the qualifications is that the elder must be mature, not someone who's just a new Christian. It gives a few reasons for that. But the main reason is that they've had time to, to firmly be seated in Christ, to show evidence of him, to have persevered with him, to learn a bit of 
wisdom and truth in Christ. Right? And they're the qualifications that it has for someone who's going to stand up and be an elder or who's going to be recommended to be an elder. The elder must be above reproach, faithful in their relationships, self-controlled, hospitable, able to teach, sober, body, mind and spirit. They must be focused on Christ. They must have a track record or a good reputation and they must be mature. So what do we do with that as a group? One of the things that the church has put in place is we are looking for new elders. We would like some nominations. I want you to look around at the congregation and say, these people meet these qualifications. They're not perfect. But they can help to lead the church in the the way that needs to be led. They, They can do these things. They can come together and be part of a team that protects, that feeds, that cares for, that leads the congregation. Evaluate yourself and see that. Say, am I the sort of person who's got a gift to me so that I can step up and do these things? And if you really don't think you've been a Christian long enough, then realise these are examples for you to aim for. The scriptures say that it is a good thing for someone to desire to be an elder. So you should be thinking this and say, well, yeah, I'm not there yet. I'm not quite, I don't quite have it together enough yet. I don't think I've been a Christian long enough. But that doesn't need to be a long time. We have elders in the New Testament who are probably in their late 20s, early 30s or even younger. But you say, okay, I'm not quite there yet, but yes, that is something I can aim for. And you look at these qualifications and say, I need to make certain that I, I keep these things in mind. This is what a mature Christian looks like. This is what I will be like. But, I mean, hospitable, what does that mean? I mean, does someone have to have someone in their home one night a week or one night every two weeks? So if you go around and check with someone, you say, I think you're going to be a good elder. <laughs> How many strangers have you had in your house this week? What, one? <laughs> you're out. Okay. So it's really hard to make those sorts of decisions because the, the scripture here doesn't completely define all of that. I mean, when my ears, when's too much? You know what I'm saying? So what we need is we need God's help with this. And we're asking as the congregation that you join with the rest of the church on to come together and to pray, to seek God's will in these things, to bring before him names of people or yourselves and say, what God do you want for this church? We're having prayer meetings on every Wednesday of October, 6 o'clock in the morning, 12 o'clock and 7 p.m. at night. And the reason is to come together and to pray and say, God, who would you like to be put forward to the congregation to say this is someone who can be an older? And I encourage, particularly every member who's here, but everybody here, to have the church continue to grow and vision into the future and have the people leading it who should be here to say, to ask God who are the people who should be leaders. Now, you might not be able to rush out and check every single person who's nominated, but you can pray that God will give you wisdom and a peace to vote that this is the person who should be. So what's going to happen is... When the um, nominations close at the end of October, all of those people's names will come before the congregation, put their photos up, we'll get them an opportunity to talk to the congregation and say, this is who I am. And then in that last week of November, before the members meeting on the 25th, 
we would again encourage everyone in the congregations to come together and to pray. It's going to be in the evening this time, every night of the week in that last week before the members' meeting, to say, God, direct us. Give us peace to go forward in this. Show us who it is. Now, at all of these prayer meetings, not only will we be praying for elders, but we'll also be praying on the issue of the new associate pastor that's being looked for, who's going to have a particular emphasis on youth. And thank God, help us, particularly praying for that panel and their deliberations and then the person whose name comes forward. So I'd encourage you in that. The last comment I have to make is on that, that little controversial one that everybody kind of said, don't really know if you should talk about that. Well, I'm going to talk about it. Women elders. The, 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 the leaders and the members here at SDBC hold a whole variety of views on whether or not women are permitted according to the scriptures to occupy the position of elder in the church. Um, the current elders have different views. The current pastors have different views and I know that members have different views. People have been here and other leaders do as well. And the interesting thing is those people, I think, many of them, if not all of them, they love the Lord. That they're passionate about wanting the scriptures to be kept truthfully, with integrity. And as they've prayerfully sought to understand the scriptures, they've come to different conclusions on the matter. They, they differ as to what the answer to this question is in terms of what the scripture says. And I suppose the point to make is that such differences should never divide us. They're not allowed to destroy our fellowship and they're not allowed to destroy our love. We're family. We're allowed to disagree on certain issues. So I encourage you, let's continue to show grace and love. Let's continue to work through and seek what God's will is in this matter. Continue to study the scriptures with humility, with openness, but I, I will make it clear that the pastoral team, the position of the pastoral team is that the nominations for elders that are now open are open to both men and women. And with all of the nominations that come in, they're going to be received with thankfulness of those people stepping forward and being willing to serve in this way. So I would encourage you to continue to pray through uh, for who it is that God would like nominated. Now the back table back there, there are some information booklets if you want on nomination of elders. It's got the information from last week's sermon and this week's sermon in there and the bit from the handbook on elders. And there's also a nomination form if you would like to nominate anyone for an elder. They have to be in by the end of October. So there's about a month to pray through and think about that. I encourage you to do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, your word is fairly clear about what it is, the sort of people whom you want as leaders in your church. People who can be good examples, people who will protect, people who will oversee, who won't be hypocrites, who will show gentleness and grace, who know how to understand and teach your scriptures, people who are in control but who are guided by your spirit. And, and we've talked about that list this morning, Lord. I pray that for each of us you might encourage us to seek to have these qualities evident in our life. But not only that, Father, that we might look at the people around us in the congregation and seek those people who do fulfil these qualities, who might 
be being prompted to step forward and to serve in leadership in the church and give us the grace to go and talk with them about it. And Father, if it's us that gets talked to, help us to be open, even though we see our own failings maybe greater than everybody else does. Help us to think about and to pray and to ask, is this the step that you want me to go, Lord? Father, help us not to focus in on particular instances of meeting with someone, the one thing they did wrong to us or that we've seen them do. But look at their character, look at their everyday interactions with people and that we might choose those who are above reproach, who model Christ and help us to be the same as that in our own lives. Father, I pray for this, for the prayer meetings that will be on this week and I ask that you would encourage each of us to be involved faithfully in those. I ask this in Christ's name.